And today's um, title is, is, is Pioneering the Work. I'm pioneering the work. Now, I'm going to begin by asking a series of questions that I'd like you to consider, um, not necessarily for you to answer, but to consider what these questions are asking. Um, have you ever wondered, um, where do you really belong in the body of Christ? You know, or why do some Christians do well in one area of ministry, and yet they may fail when they attempt to do something else? Uh, a great team player, but failed when asked to lead the team? Or why is it that some Christians might sit in the pews and they don't seem overly concerned about, you know, what is happening in ministry, as my iPad is acting up? Or why do some individuals get involved in an area of ministry because they feel called to that ministry, but eventually they flake out? You ever thought about that? See, there isn't a perfect answer to these questions, but God gives us his spirit to make something clear to us. And it's that in order to serve effectively in ministry, there must be knowledge of the spiritual gifts given by God. And then you must put those gifts into use. You first know them. So that's the first thing you have to recognize. Um, we must discover what God reveals for our lives and develop those gifts into meaningful spiritual ministry. Uh, we must discover why we think and act the way we do and how using our gifts might bring us joy um, in, in personally in our lives. Uh, we also need to understand why some of our actions might cause reaction rather than a response in others. How about this one? We need to understand why sometimes we feel agitated because certain individuals are serving in a ministry, and you didn't care about the ministry until someone else is leading it, and now you have concerns or cares about it. Why do you care now? The challenge for us is that we've mistakenly believed that all spiritual gifts mentioned in Scripture are all at the same level or the same degree. But although each gift serves the same purpose and given by the same God, they are unique and distinct from each other. Um, there are three distinct categories of gifts highlighted in the New Testament, and I'll show you those in a moment. But regardless of how we feel about the people that we encounter, we have a responsibility to steward our gift. Um, 1 Peter uh, 4 verse 10 challenges our emotions concerning these gifts and how we might relate to other people. Um, here's what it says. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That's 1 Peter 4 and 10. Notice those words, received, served, and varied. So notice that every believer is given a gift, or in some cases we have several gifts, but we're commanded to serve one another as part of our stewardship of God's varied or diverse grace. I showed you last week uh, with Timothy's story how the call to ministry is an indescribable gift of God's grace. 
See, we often just think about grace as being um, this thing that we receive for salvation, but also the gift that we have to serve others is an indescribable gift. So yes, we're all Christians, but God gives us a unique gift that is stored differently. So a great communicator doesn't translate to being a great teacher. Teaching might not be the grace that was given to you by God. And notice these two things even with the verse that we read. God requires that we serve others with our unique gift. And number two, God does not ask us to use a gift that we do not possess. So if you don't sing, then God is not asking you to lead worship. You can sing in the shower, and it's totally okay. But where do these gifts come from, and how do we possess them? Understand that no one can earn any of these gifts. They are freely given to each of us by God. Now, here are three classifications of the gifts that we'll see. The first is that we'll see the motivational gifts. We'll find these in Romans uh, 12, verses 6 to 8. And the gift of, you see, prophet, service or helps, exhortation, giving, administration or leadership, mercy. So these are motivational gifts. Then we have the ministry gifts, which are the ones that we're covering in this series. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, you say apest, apostle, what's the other one? It's on the screen, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor, and teacher. Then we have the manifestation gifts um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10. Uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So each of us, and I know it's long, you can keep it on the screen for a while, each of us individually must find our important place in ministry because we're all ordained by God. And since we're all ordained by God to minister, the first step in finding our place in the body of Christ is the realization that the discovery of our spiritual gifts is contingent on what God says. And I know you're probably still writing, just take a picture of it. Um, but in John 15, 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, that should be our humble pie, right? That when you are gifted to do something, believe that you have a choice in how you choose to use it. God says, slow down. I chose you and I appointed you. If there's no fruit from the gift that you've been given, you're not fulfilling your obligation. We've already established a few weeks ago that the spiritual gifts that we received are God's supernatural ability that is manifested in and through our lives for his glory, for God's glory. So it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is responsible for giving us spiritual gifts. He knows what will be best for us personally, but he also knows what is best for the body of Christ because he was given to us by God. Today, I'm focusing on the ministry gift 
of an apostle. But I want to start by reminding you of, the, of our text. Um, of course, the theme is in, is in Ephesians 4. Um, we're reading from verses 7 to 13. I read verses 11 to 12. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Um, so these various gifts are not hierarchical um, titles. So it is possible to have multiple gifts, but I'm not a pastor today working my way to become an apostle. These are not hierarchical titles. These are ministry gifts, not church titles, although some churches use them as such. I don't want you to see these as something also that's just reserved for those in full-time ministry. You know, just like First Peter 4 and 10 says, Ephesians 4, 7 also says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Notice all these reminders in Scripture about the measure of grace given to each person. There's a measure of grace. So, stop believing that you're on the same ministry wavelength as others simply because we're all Christians. We just read about there's a measure of grace. So although we're all Christians, we're not on the same wavelength. So it doesn't matter how many books you read or how many Bible classes you teach. If God didn't call you to be a pastor, you won't be effective serving in that role. Likewise, it doesn't matter how much you practice an instrument and you're singing at home. If God did not call you to lead worship, you're simply an entertainer. God's called us for our distinct role. He's given that to us. Likewise, not all theologians are pastors. They might be great teachers, but grace might not have been extended to them to be a pastor. In fact, I was just looking online about all these theologians who are not pastors. When I'm reading a book, I have to first identify is this a theological perspective or is this a pastoral perspective? It's a difference. Um, so the books that I read um, in preparing for my doctoral students are not the same books that I read for my pastoral role. In fact, Paul sent a warning to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 6 to 7. In a paraphrase, he said, to be careful of dangerous people who come with their theology to lead weak believers astray. And Paul says, and I quote, you're forever learning but never arriving at the truth. See, there are ministry gifts that Jesus grants to equip the body of Christ and spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ. There's a difference. So the question for you is, what grace has been extended to you, whether it's equipping or serving? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. What grace has been extended to us? God promises that three outcomes will happen when believers who are called to equip function their role of equipping, and those who function in the other areas of, of ministry. Here are the three things. First is that there will be greater unity in the church. That's the first thing that will happen when we all function in our roles. There will be greater unity in the church. 
The second thing is that believers will continually grow in their knowledge of the Bible. The third one is that believers will experience greater spiritual maturity. They will become more like Jesus. The good news is that God's plan works. The bad news is that many churches aren't following God's plan. Now, there are two cultural views concerning the ministry gift of apostle. I'm going to give you those views before I, before I define what apostle is. Here's the first view. The first view is that the apostles were church planters or missionaries. So some believe that the gift of an apostle was for the purpose of church planting or missionary work or simply pioneering new work. Now, my wife and I are church planters. Uh, we've spent more than 20 years planting churches. So our natural tendencies are to identify gifted individuals within the church and, and help them to activate their gifts and then release them into ministry. So for us, if five people are called and gifted to lead the same ministry, you might say, ah, oh, we don't need to serve over here. You have enough people. But for us, we would say, where do we get them to release their gifts? See, that would be a difference for us because we're always thinking that way. So in other words, the cultural view is saying the gift of the apostolic ministry is the ability to introduce the message of Jesus to a particular group or culture. So the ministry gift is not the same as a pastor. A, a pastoral gift focuses on one congregation while the apostolic gift establishes and equips local assemblies of believers. So the apostles in Scripture were constantly establishing new ministries. Uh, we see that in the Pauline letters. So Paul wrote to the different churches, so he's constantly doing that. So however, someone with an apostolic gift can also exercise the gift of a pastor. They may start a church and they continue to pastor that church. Now, someone with this equipping gift of the, you know, of apostleship, in which we say, often have several corresponding gifts, which we looked at earlier. And they have these corresponding gifts to meet the role of ministry. Um, so you find someone who might be, you know, called to lead worship. They might know how to play an instrument, but they might also know how to sing. And sometimes they know how to play several instruments because God has gifted them in that area. And so they have multiple gifts to serve in that role. That's why you might see a difference between someone who's saying, I can only sing, great singer, called to lead. But someone who's called to lead in that role, you might find them with several gifts. So too, someone with the apostolic gift. So in this first view, the belief is that God gives someone with the apostolic gift with several corresponding gifts. Prophecy, evangelist, shepherding, teaching. The second view is that the apostles confirmed the word of God. In this view, they see the word apostle as ones who had the task of confirming the early preaching of the church. Uh, but this view restricts the gift of, the, of, of this to the immediate uh, disciples of Christ. This view suggests that when this function was complete, when the church is birthed, then the apostles were no longer needed and the gift or this office was withdrawn. So this cultural view says that the apostolic ministry was limited to the first generation of Christians, meaning there are no more apostles needed today. 
the apostolic gift is no more. When we speak about apostles, we're not advocating for the title of apostle, but the ministry gift of an apostle. This must be clear. Um, it is intellectually dishonest to say that the ministry gift of the pastor exists, but the ministry gift of the apostles doesn't exist. So you cannot separate these gifts. The common misunderstanding is that we see these gifts as titles, and so we only consider the 12 apostles. Well, for those who are disagreeing in your mind already, let's consider that it's only for the 12 apostles. Luke 9, verse 1. And he called the 12, see that there? And he called the 12 together, and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So notice the word called because we're going to look at the difference between being called and being sent. So apostles are those who are sent with a specific message for a specific purpose. That's what we saw in Luke 9 verse 1. So the word sent is the verb for apostle, apostello. The noun is apostelos, which is an apostle, a person. So Jesus called the twelve and sent them in Luke 9 verse 1. And then in verse 10 it says, On their return the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart, and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So the apostles in verse 10, the sent ones when they had returned, told Jesus all that they had done. The only problem in limiting the apostles to the 12 or to a title is that we get to Luke 10 and verse 1. It says, after this, after what? After chapter 9, after they've gone out and after they've gone out and done exactly what Jesus says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and do what? Send them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So what did Jesus do? He appointed 72 others. When a leader leaves a company, they often appoint someone to do exactly what the previous leader was doing. Am I right? So what did Jesus appoint them to do? He appointed them to pioneer the work. Remember, it says that he hadn't gone there yet. So the gospel hasn't been preached there yet. So he appointed 72 others to go before him. Jesus sent them to a place that he was about to go and apostello them. He sent them, same word, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Everywhere that I've planted a church, I was often sent with a team to establish where the gospel might be fruitful, establish where God is leading us to be. The ministry gift of an apostle refers to a person sent to new places to establish the gospel. So when we think about missionaries going to different countries to spread the gospel, they're functioning in the apostolic gift to pioneer a ministry. I mean, we often talk about, and I've been talking to people all the time, like, we don't know the exact date when Christ will return, which is true. 
But we know when he won't return. He won't return until the gospel is preached to every nation. That's what it says in Scripture. So we need missionaries going overseas, and we need people to go and, and plant you know, seeds, establish the gospel. That's what he says. So now, so when we think about this, that's what missionaries are doing. They're spreading the gospel in new territories. They're functioning in this apostolic gift. But hear me carefully. There is a process between being called and being sent. We see this process with Jesus. He's the son of God. Jesus came to earth to redeem humanity, but was a carpenter until age 30. Think about that. Is it possible that Jesus made crutches for people he could have healed? Is it possible that he made caskets for people he could have healed? Jesus spent 30 years learning obedience, waiting to be sent by God. So for 30 years, he didn't perform miracles while serving his Father through his humanity. Everyone has a call on their life. The question is, have you been sent? Have you gone through the process to have the authority to function in your call? See, the call is the what, the where, and to whom, but the send is the authority and the anointing to minister in that area. God develops a process in your life before you are released or sent into ministry. Abraham was called at 75 to be the father of many nations, but he wasn't sent until he was 100 when Isaac was born. Moses was called to be a deliverer to Israel at birth, but he wasn't sent until he was 80 years old. Let's consider the unique calling of God to serve as an apostle by title. Acts 1, 21-22. So one of them who have accompanied, accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these, must, one of these men must become uh, with us a witness to his resurrection. Clearly, Paul wasn't with this group of believers because he was persecuting the church. But Paul said in Galatians 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now let me show you when Paul was called and when he was sent. Acts 9 is when he got saved, and that's when he was called. Acts 9 verses 4 to 6. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, this is St. Paul before his name was changed. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Verse 6, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So we're seeing this calling when he got saved. Now let's look at what God told Ananias in Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he, talking about Paul, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Whenever there is a calling on your life, there must be confirmation of that call. 
So I know you might believe you're called to be a prophet, but would your friends call you a prophet or would they simply say you spoke prophetic words that came to pass? Notice the difference? Ananias wasn't there when Paul was called and sent to the Gentiles. Paul received that call in private. The apostles, they weren't there either when Paul received this call. But look at Galatians 2, verses 1 to 2. Then after 14 years, and I'm going to come back to that 14 years, it says, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and, and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Notice how he's saying that he has this call to the Gentiles. Paul said, I was sent to the Gentiles, a call he received privately when he got saved in Acts 9. So it's important to note that Paul was called by God in approximately 34 AD, but he wasn't sent or released into ministry as an apostle until 48 AD. A 14-year gap between being called and being sent. Now, there's a divine calling by God and a divine process in which God chooses to operate. Not only is there a divine process, but God operates through the relationships with leaders. There's no escaping this process by God. Now, I'm not talking about being best friends with the leader. But the recognition that you can't be sent without this apostolic release. Acts 9, verses 26 to 27. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, one could argue that Paul was so evil so they feared, you know, so this fear was warranted. But how much different is your life? If you don't have a relationship, how can you get this release in ministry, right? Barnabas wasn't there with Paul, but he recognized this call and he's saying, no, no, no trust and believe, he, he's really saved. So Barnabas had to vouch for Paul for him to have this credibility with the apostle. And immediately after this validation, look at what happened. Verse 30 and 31 of Acts 9. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The church multiplied. So Paul had this divine call, this apostolic call in his life. Barnabas recognized this calling and vouched for him. The apostles confirmed this, sent him. Then the church had peace. Then the church was built up. We need the apostolic gift to release people into ministry. And again, Scripture is showing us that it's not for your benefit. The release in ministry, yes, we enjoy it, but it's not for your benefit, but it's so that the church can have peace and be built up. 
God is building this church. He's building something special. So I have to be careful who leads from this pulpit. That includes who leads worship. Because I'm thinking about the whole church, not someone's fan club. So it doesn't matter how well someone sings or how popular they might be you know, or how well they might speak. I'm concerned about the peace and edification of the church. That's what we read in Acts chapter 9. But up to this point, Paul is preaching the gospel. He's building the body of Christ, but he's still not ordained by the apostles or released into ministry. Until the leadership of the church lay hands on you and release you into ministry, you have a gift but no authority. That's the order of God. Paul recognized the calling of God in his life, sent by God, but God still takes him through a divine process for the development of his personal ministry. So let me encourage you with this. Although God is taking you through a process, that doesn't mean you won't minister to people during the process. Paul was preaching while waiting for the divine process of God. It took 14 years from the time in which he believed God called him before this release. Now, I'm not suggesting that's going to take you 14 years, right? That's not what I'm saying to you. But I'm suggesting that God has a divine process that we shouldn't be, you know, impatient. We have to be, we have to be patient to observe this process. Think about how a company might hire a staff. I mean, if you here are, you know, supervisors or maybe you hire people, the first thing you give this person when you hire them is a position, right? And with that position comes authority and responsibility. Now, that company hopes that this person can fulfill that responsibility. And the next thing they hope is that, can we trust this person? See, if the leaders can't trust you, then there's no point in you being on the team because they'll never be able to delegate responsibilities to you. Now, to use a chess reference, now, I used to play chess growing up, and I know Nathan is a chess whiz, right? He's like, yeah, being modest. I believe that trust is one of the greatest stalemate in the church. Here's how that plays out in the church. A gifted member might say, I'm not sure if I can trust this leader, so let me observe them a little while longer. But the leader, on the other hand, sees this same gifted member and says, I'm not sure if I can trust this member. Let me observe them a little while longer. If both individuals never develop the trust or relationship needed, the gifted member is never released or sent into ministry, and the church never benefits from the gifting of that member. Be reminded, the apostolic release into ministry is for the peace and equipping of the church. All through scriptures, God sends us to fulfill our call through the leadership process that he implemented, the apostolic ministry. 
So as you're developing the relationship of trust and learning patience in ministry, Jesus invites us to steward our ministry gifts through the leadership of the church. Now look at this humbling experience. When the Apostle Paul is released into ministry, this is Paul's big moment, waiting for his ministry assignment. But his first ministry assignment was not to preach, and yet he was already preaching. Paul says, I'm an apostle called and sent by God. But look at what he's asked to do before he's released into ministry. Acts 11, verse 27 to 30. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by who? By the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Here is Paul's big ministry moment after waiting all these years, being patient, preaching the gospel, going on all these missionary journeys. And the ministry assignment Paul receives by the leadership of the church was to carry a money bag to Judea and to give it to the elders. My uh, first ministry assignment with the orchestra in my home church was not to write music or to conduct the orchestra. There I am with three masters, and my first ministry assignment was to clean out the music closet called the dungeon. I had a closet with things that was just stuffed in there years after years. Like right now, I'm laughing because when Nathan goes downstairs to move the stuff, Man, I don't know what he's going to find over there. <laughs> Might be things in there before he even came here. But that's what I, I was doing. My first ministry assignment was to clean out the closet, but also to print, you know, music sheets. I'm printing music sheets for 8-year-olds and 85-year-olds, and here I am with three degrees, three graduate degrees. That was my first ministry assignment. But Garfield, can you be trusted? In 2015... I flew to Hong Kong for my first doctoral class, went on a Sunday evening. But the Saturday night before, I was driving the church bus. I was picking up college students and picking up props because we were just planting a church. That was the Saturday. And the Sunday morning, I was delivering sheet music to these teenagers you know, in my three-piece suit. And then when I was done, I had to change to drive across the city to another church plant. Yes, Garfield, you're getting your doctoral degree. You spent a decade in seminary. But can you be trusted? Why? Because we're thinking about the peace and edification of the church. But then three years later, in that same church, I was training pastors. And by that time, I had written more than 50 music pieces for the orchestra. The same church. But here I am, pastoring this church. I know what it's like to be the worship pastor on Sunday, but the church janitor on Saturday. Mopping floors, cleaning bathrooms. This past Wednesday, I was driving U-Haul van, 
moving stuff from Telegraph to Hillegas. And yesterday, your pastors, you know, along with Brent, were driving a U-Haul truck, dumping stuff from Telegraph to the city dump. But here I am today on a Sunday, preaching a sermon. If you can't be faithful in the little things, you can't be trusted with the big things. Barnabas and Paul were considered teachers, not apostles at the time. They were teachers. Everyone knew them. They knew the gift. They were on these journeys, and yet they demonstrated that they could be trusted with something that seemed beneath their calling, delivering a money bag to the elders in Tarsus. And not only that, they stayed a whole year. Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menon, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them Think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit could have done this much sooner because God had called him what, 14 years prior, right? This tells us that the calling and the sending nature of God has a divine process. See, some things I'm doing today took 20 years to develop. I spent 20 years in the entertainment industry. I owned a production company. I had things laying around in the house. Will I ever use these things? And then there was COVID. I had to go live stream, pulling out things from the closet that I haven't used for many years. See, the leadership church, the leadership team of the church, they sent Paul and Barnabas. The apostolic ministry was in effect. The apostle Paul was committed to the local church, and he was committed to the local leadership in Jerusalem. And because he was sent by the leadership of the church, the Bible tells us that he was sent by the Holy Spirit. God wants to send you somewhere to do something that he wants you to do to minister to someone he wants you to minister. But will you develop the character God desires while you are waiting to be sent? Will you wait so that when you step into the call of God, you have the character to support the sending. In Acts 9, Jesus told Paul he would have to go through a process. And because he endured, his ministry was confirmed by the Holy Spirit and through the leadership of the church. This is why we need the ministry of the apostles. The ministry gift of the apostle equips us to be sent with a message to those who need the gospel. As I'm closing, worship you could come forward. Are you learning how to steward your time, your energy, your resources, so that you can steward more responsibility when the Lord gives it to you? See, it is common to be hurt by church or church leaders. But I want to see you healed so that you can trust and feel like you belong to a church that loves you. And by virtue of God's divine process, be at a church 
that will send you or release you into your divine calling. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you however he wants to speak to you through this message today. Bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you um, for how you spoke to us today, God. We've learned through your word that it's through this apostolic process in which you send us or release us into ministry. And I pray, God, that you help us that we can be patient in the seasons that requires patience, developing the character so that we can lead well when the time comes. We've seen this example with Paul, how he waited 14 years after he was called by you. You didn't rush the process, God. Lord, we don't know how long you will take to release, release us into the things that you're calling us to do, but however long it is, help us to be patient, trusting this divine process. I pray, God, for uh, um, the one that's here that doesn't have a relationship with you. They don't know you as Lord of their lives. I pray, God, that you will rescue them like you did with the Apostle Paul on that Damascus road. And not only will you rescue them and save them from their sins, God, but that you will also give them a divine call to serve you however you designed for them. I pray to God that you move in and through our lives. We just love you and just give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.